Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here to wrap up our versus run-throughs with Spider-Man versus Wolverine number one. The February 1987 issue on sale November 11, 1986. Cover price 250, 64 pages. This one's titled High Tide. Adam, you don't sound so good. Yeah, I'm coming. Uh, well, I'm, I'm coming, coming out of something. You say you're coming down with something, but what do you say when you're getting over it? I guess I'm getting over something. Coming up with something. <laughs> I'm coming up with a great idea to not be sick anymore. <laughs> that seems like a solid plan. Uh, yeah. So the cover of this guy is literally Spider-Man versus Wolverine. Spider-Man is swinging his claws spider-man's jumping over the claws and wolverine's knocking down some tombstones yep that's that's accurate yeah so you know if you're uh looking at the comic book shop and you're like oh finally uh it's a pal of pal palpable it's a good cover i mean it's nothing special uh but it's like okay there's some action wolverine and spider-man are fighting and i like spider-man and i like wolverine so i'm gonna buy this issue these are the two Mar- two of Marvel's arguably, arguably most popular characters. The thing that might um, uh, cause me to pause is the cover price that you mentioned of two and a half dollars. That's uh, yeah, but this is bulky. This is like sixty four pages. This is this feels like a lot. I wonder if the original was like on prestige paper or glossy or something other than normal comic book newsprint. It might have been. I mean, this is like bigger than an annual and an annual's still like a dollar 25. Yeah, I don't I don't specifically remember this coming out in the comic book shops. And this is about the time that I started my collecting, so whatever. I've I've, I've never read this. Yeah. I have it in several collections though. I'm actually I'm reading it from Amazing Spider-Man Epic Collection Volume 17, Craven's Last Hunt. Wow. Craven is not in this, by the way. Yes. <laughs> it comes later. The, this issue uh, did not make the Epic Collection title. Oh, well. I, is it probably, was it collected elsewhere prior to that? Must have been. Well, the Epic Collection, I, I, most of those have been collected elsewhere. I, I have it also in my Wolverine Omnibus, but I didn't feel like looking that upstairs. Ah, sure. So this one's written by James C. Owley, penciled by Mark Bright, inked by Al Williamson, colored by Petra Scotzi, lettered by Bill Oakley, edited by Anna Senti, and Jim Shooter's the editor-in-chief. Other than two of those names, I'm not really familiar with anybody else on this book. Do you know who Christopher Priest is? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> James C. Owsley later changes his name to Christopher Priest. Oh, weird. But if you don't know who that is, then it doesn't matter. So the first thing that kind of struck me with this uh, is that none of the creative staff has been involved in Wolverine's story development ever. <laughs> um, can, are any of these people involved in Spider-Man? Uh, I believe uh, James C. Owsley is writing Web of Spider-Man, which we're going to follow this issue up with. Okay. Um I think yeah, I think he's he he does at least one of those. And there's three Spider-Man titles right now. I think he writes one of them. And then the other thing I found kind of interesting was that um, uh, the pencils are not that great. Well, this is uh, early Mark Bright. Okay. Um, what does Mark Bright go on to do? Mark Bright goes on to do GI Joe. Oh. 
Um, okay, I can see that. And he's and he's like in the later issues, like towards the hundreds. I think he does issue one hundred and mm-hmm. a bunch before that, and a bunch after that. And he is by the time he gets to GI Joe, probably the best GI Joe artist there was. Okay, but that's that's arguable, I suppose. But he's really good, and uh, yeah, his his. And I wonder if the inking plays into that. Um, you can see some of the like the beginnings of his his GI Joe work here. But, yeah, this is definitely not as good as that. Anyways, as I read this and as I looked through those credits, I thought it was an interesting, I don't know, creative uh, staff to put on this book. Or were they just like, hey, Wolverine and Spider-Man, you guys aren't busy. Draw this. I don't know. I mean, uh, spoilers. I won't spoil anything, but uh, story's not bad, so... Somebody no, it's a pretty good story. The yeah. the interesting thing about this for me, coming from a Wolverine perspective, is this uh, spoilers, I suppose, <laughs> um, has no relevance to the rest of Wolverine's history. Okay, uh, that was going to be a question of mine as we got through it. Um, this is kind of a one and done for Wolverine, and it never, as far as I know, I could be wrong, gets referenced again. Okay, what about for Spider Man? I wonder. Well, Spider Man. There are some major things, major major things happen in this that does shake up Spider-Man for quite a while. I don't know for how long because I'm not really a Spider-Man reader. Sure, uh, I can I can tell from reading this epic collection that it at least runs through this epic collection. Sure, because it's at the beginning of the epic collection and it's kind of referenced in almost every issue in here so far. So we start this book out. Wolverine is carrying a dude on the wrong side of the Berlin Wall, and there's. Soviet operatives all around him, and uh, he's in his yellow uniform. So this is a uh, this is a flashback to pre X Men. Oh yeah, I didn't I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I, I think he must be a Canadian agent in this flashback. Yeah, well, it's definitely it has to be post Alpha Flight. Yeah, so may I, somewhere in between, I, got, I have no idea. Does he later switch to his other outfit? Oh, he does. Wow, <laughs> the things you catch upon your third reading. <laughs> and yeah, so it's it's basically Wolverine kind of narrating this whole kind of not CIA, but whatever Canada's version of that is KGB caper that he's doing across the Berlin Wall, um, and then introduces himself as Logan. Yeah, they call me Wolverine, and Charlie's my best friend. Charlie's the person that is slung over his shoulder. This is not Charles Xavier. No, if it <laughs> is, that would be really weird. <laughs> Uh, Charlie was short for Charlemagne, narrates Wolverine, a name that's got too many blasted syllables. Mm-hmm. Charlie was a freelance operative, and basically the idea is that Charlie's the one who got Wolverine into this situation where they're surrounded with their back to a uh, barbed wire fence, and Wolverine goes into feral mode and starts cutting them up. Yep, he goes crazy. Charlie does try to stop him. I mean, like, no, Wolverine, don't. But Wolverine, he wants to protect his buddy, and uh, he sees this is the only way out. And so soon everybody's dead, and Charlie is gone. But Charlie left a keepsake charm that shows that he escaped. It's a heart-shaped pendant, uh, Charlie's way of saying, I won. And then we flash to the present. I never saw Charlie again. It's Saturday night, and Spider-Man's in his black uniforms. It's 
just cruising around town, cruising around Manhattan. I did notice that he is wearing the black uniform. Mm-hmm. And then later he will be wearing the red and blue uniform. Yes. That I noticed. Uh, well, good, because they make a big deal out of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's just, you know, he's doing his Spider-Man thing, talking about things, you know, how he gained his powers and how he works at the Daily Bugle and all that stuff. Yeah, you know, he's Spider-Man. You know the, you know the story. You know the Spider-Man. drill. Spider-Man does whatever a spider can. Uh, there's a 13-year-old running down 9th Avenue screaming her lungs out. Um, Peter figures it for a lover's spat. And then he notices a sophisticated, well-groomed lady. Uh, she looks very refined. She's got hoop earrings. Mm-hmm. He, he'd stop and take a picture of her, which is creepy, but he doesn't want to lose his screaming lady, so he keeps going. He figures, well, maybe that lady's like a slumlord or something. He stops and says, hey, dimples to the uh, to the little girl that's running, or I guess, what, what did she say? What did they say? 13? 13-year-old. What's with the waterworks? She says, Sophie Burt. And right away, Spider-Man realizes something is wrong with Sophie and Burt. I'm an idiot at blast. So he takes off, smashes his way into Sophie and Burt's, I don't know what this place is, convenience store? Yeah, sure. There's chips on the wall and stuff. So yeah, let's go with convenience store. A mom and pop? Yeah. Yeah, mom, mom and pop. Mom and pop shop. And he sees a trail of blood and follows it and finds that Sophie and Burt are dead, with a, each killed with a bullet to the forehead. Are Sophie and Bert anybody in the Spider-Man universe, or are these just expendable characters? No idea. Okay. Because <laughs> Spider-Man's like, Sophie and Bert, and he knows exactly where to go. Well, you know, I mean, it's kind of explained in the, like, we as a reader don't have to know who so- Sophie and Bert are. He, he kind of explains that they run a mom and pop shop, and everybody knows them. They're the local mom and pop shop. Okay. And Yeah. So I don't know. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Manhattan's a big place. I'm just there's got to be now like <laughs> hundreds of mom and pop shops. But none like Sophie and Bert. Fair enough. Fair enough. Meanwhile, at the Daily Bugle, uh, assignments are being handed out. Spider-Man or Peter Parker, I suppose, has got some shots that he's looking to pedal. Uh, shots of Sophie and Bert. Yes. And uh, the. News uh, lady says, these are way better than your usual stuff. Normally, it looks like you stuck your camera to a wall and set the auto shutter, which, Jeremy, that's what he does. I know. <laughs> She's on to him, I think. <laughs> Wish you were always this good. That's when Jonah Jameson calls Peter into his office. Parker! I think he's working on Now Magazine at this point. Yeah, the Daily, the Daily Bugle is like, I don't know. I don't know what the story of the Daily Bugle is right now. So he's like the chief editor or whatever he is, but he's also like trying to do something with this Now Magazine. And he's got he's got a story. He's got a project. And he needs uh, some photographers out in the field, people that are cheap. <laughs> <laughs> people like you, Parker. That's why I keep giving you an opportunity, because you're cheap. And that's when Ned Leeds comes up and he's like, Mr. Jameson, we got to talk. And uh, Jonah Jameson's like, no, I don't know. I'm talking with Parker. And uh, oh, geez, where'd he go? All right. What you got, Ned? Let's talk. Jameson talks about how he frequently sends Spider-Man for Now Magazine out of town. And I'm imagining every time he sends Peter out of town, Spider-Man shows up. You think Jonah would be onto this at some point. Do you think Peter Parker brings back pictures of Spider-Man, though, when he's sent out on assignment for Now Magazine? If he doesn't, then some other news thing does it. I mean, oh, you know, sure. 
I mean, I, I would imagine J. Jonah Jameson's like reading the news of the areas that he's sending him to. If he's if there's a story there for him to be sending them there in the first place. Hey, Spider-Man showed up in the city. That's where I just sent Parker. Weird. <laughs> After the third one of those, maybe you'd think he'd, he'd catch on. Man, Parker and Spider-Man must be friends. <laughs> Explains why he gets all the pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> so he... Parker, that is, as usual, is late. He's always late. He's racing home to Aunt May's house, and uh, what's her face is there? Mary Jane. Mary Jane. Yep. Uh, Aunt May and some other people. Two people that are fighting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why they're fainting, uh, uh, fighting in this. It, it, I thought it would come back, but it never really does. They're arguing about colors. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand what the message is. Sorry, James Owsley. I don't get it. Why are these people here? He's like, I got to fill 64 pages, you guys. I feel like they mean something towards this story, but I guess, I don't know. Anyway, Peter Parker's late for Aunt May's birthday, and he feels bad about it. But then he rushes out and takes Mary Jane out to dinner, because he's also late for that. He's double late. He, he's like, come on, uh, Aunt May, let's go bowling. And Aunt May's like, why don't you go be young with your young friend? And so he's like, I all suppose. right, fine. So then he goes out with... Uh, Mary Jane, and, and for those of you who are not adeptly following Spider-Man, they are not dating, but they are friends. Well, they're they're dating, not dating. Oh, okay. So like they're he can like they're they're not in a serious relationship, but they're clearly into each other, sort of thing. So like they're they're just trying not to be serious. So is it so? So they're like boyfriend girlfriend, but they're free to see other people, sort of thing. Ah. But they're also they're also not like doing stuff. <laughs> that was going to be my question is, are they free to see other people? Because, yeah, I, I don't even like I like they're hanging out a lot and she knows he's Spider-Man. Right. But uh, maybe they, they maybe they're taking a break or something because sure. right now they're they're not making out or anything. Mm-mm. So so they head down to Times Square and uh, it's noisy. A lot of a lot of colors, a lot of a lot of weird people. Peter remembers a time when he went to Times Square with Uncle Ben. He's got to talk about Uncle Ben. It's of course important. he does, yeah. And so they, they're about to start talking uh, and stuff when uh, Spider-Man Spidey Sense goes off and shots are fired. He detects a sniper, a spider sniper. <laughs> so he runs into an alleyway, changes into Spider-Man. And... Tells Mary Jean to get the heck out of there. Some bum is like, hey, pal, you got a quarter for a cup of coffee? And Peter, Peter's got his mask off when the guy does that. I know. Uh, it seems so out of character. I guess it's okay because he's just a bum. He, he's a drunk bum. He won't remember. That bum would come back to haunt Peter in 200 issues. All heck is breaking loose on the street. Spider-Man's out there and he's he's trying to help out as best as he can. But he's being fired upon. Do you think that bum is the spider clone? I don't know who the spider clone is. <laughs> okay, never mind. Is that a character? <laughs> Eventually, yeah. Oh, there, okay. There was the clone. Don't you remember the clone saga? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> don't Don't you remember Peter Parker went away for a while and it was the other guy? Nope. Like he was supposed to be the real Peter Parker? Nope. Oh wow. I think everything you are saying is fake. No. No. This is all stuff that happened. Do you remember Maximum Carnage? Uh, I remember the title, Maximum Carnage. Okay, well, that's good. Do you remember Clone Saga? Nope. What if I say it again? Clone Saga? Oh, Clone Saga. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I believe the Clone Saga and Maximum Carnage are the most reviled Spider-Man stories of all time. Is that a bad thing? Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right. They sound stupid. I, I didn't actually read either of them, to be honest. Well, I certainly have. <laughs> I mean, haven't. Anyways, yeah, so... No, uh, you've definitely read the Clone Saga, I can tell. Yeah, I just forgot all about it. <laughs> I reviled it. So there is a uh, gunman, and he is sniping, and the police are shooting at Spider-Man as well because they see Spider-Man, and they're like, ah, he must be trying to help the Spider-Man. And the one cop says, don't shoot him, you dummy. More people are going to get killed. Yep. Or something like that. I think, is it the cops? I think it's the cops that are firing at yeah, him. At the, the cops are shooting at Spider-Man because he's all like, hey, you jerks, I'm trying to help you. Yeah, and uh, he's against a Coca-Cola sign. The SWAT team shows up, and he gets the feeling that their job is to sit around and wait for something like this to happen. And that's when he gets sick to his stomach, and he decides there's nothing he can do. So he heads back to Mary Jane, and it looks like he's trying to complain. He's Um, like, he's walking back and forth. He's walking a hole into the rug, or whatever that saying is. You're burning a hole in the rug. Cut it out. Oh, she even says that. You're wearing a hole in my carpet. (laughs) And that's when he grabs her and he, well, first he's thinking about how people have died twice in the same day. If only dot dot. I don't know what that if only is, but he, uh, he grabs Mary Jane and he kisses her. She protests a little bit, but kisses him back. And then he's like, "Uh oh, now everything's awkward and weird. I got to go. I forgot the rules. I crossed the line. I forgot to tell myself, forgot to believe Mary Jane isn't my girlfriend. I just ruined a perfectly good lie. So wait, they are girlfriend and boyfriend, or they aren't? <sighs> they are and aren't. Okay. Seems complicated and not worth a uh, while. Um, I guess you got to really be focused on issues of Spider-Man to really know what's going on. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, in the next issue of Amazing Spider-Man that happens after that, he proposes. Oh. So, and she says no. <gasps> oh my and God. then eventually says yes. Okay. Spoilers. I remember that <laughs> issue. And then the wedding issue happens mm-hmm. with the two covers. I only remember the one cover. Was there a villain's cover and a hero's cover? Yes. Okay. Well, there was there was a cover where they're dressed in normal clothes and it's regular yeah. people behind them. And there's a cover where he's dressed as Spider-Man and there are heroes and villains behind them. Yeah. And she's, is she the same pose in both pictures or both covers? Yes. Okay. Yeah, slightly different coloring, it looks like. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, okay. I, I vaguely remember that. Annual 21. I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it either. I bought the uh, uh, Spider-Man issue where they unmasked the Hobgoblin. Which one was that? I don't remember, but it's right around this time period. Maybe maybe a year previous to this. Probably a year previous to this. Because I think it's even uh, referenced. Is it the one with where he's his face is in shadow? Yes. And he uh, has his mask on and there's like people with guns around him? Yes. Oh, that ties directly into this issue. Mm-hmm. Well, well, we'll briefly talk about that. Yeah. Very briefly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, uh, Ned Leeds uh, is, he's like, I pulled all of my uh, contacts for this information, sold my soul. Sophie and Bert, the nice shopkeepers in Hell's Kitchen, they're both KGB, and they died. All these people are KGB. Somebody's killing them all. They're all on the list, Jonah. So Ned is following on a trail of dead people and dead KGB agents. Yes. The people that died earlier in this issue are KGB, which is interesting because wasn't Wolverine fighting KGB people on the other side of the Berlin wall? Wait, are you saying there's a connection? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just a super weird coincidence. I don't think Wolverine's actually in this issue anymore. Yeah, I think that was it. (laughs) 
So, uh, once again, Spider-Man's like, I quit. I'm done being Spider-Man. He's doing that a lot in this run lately. He so, seems to do that a lot in all of the runs. Yeah. Uh, right before he proposes to Mary Jane, again, spoilers, he, he decides he's going to be Spider-Man. Oh, okay. I'll never put this suit on again. And they're kind of cutting back and forth between Spider-Man quitting to be Spider-Man and Ned and J. Jonah Jameson talking about this mission and this report that they're going to do. And Peter Parker's feeling the weight so much from his kissing Mary Jane and being Spider-Man and all the stuff that's going through his head that he decides to take Jameson's job and go wherever Ned Leeds wants to go. Ned Leeds is like, and the weird thing... Uh, Jonah is the charms. There's a keychain with heart-shaped charms, like a warning message with every one. Oh my God, do you think it's Charlie? No. <laughs> yeah, it's just another coincidence. It's gotta be. So, yes. Uh, Char- or not Charlie. Uh, Ned and Parker are gonna go on Jonah's mission. Or job, or whatever he's gonna do for Now Magazine. And then we flip over to Wolverine. He's at the mansion. He's been reading the news. He's all like... Charlie's back. I haven't seen him since then. Remember that flashback I just had? That's the last time I saw him. And now I got to go after him. And I got to do it alone. Dang it. It's a bad <laughs> time, too. Because, like, because of Mutant Massacre. We, re- <laughs> we just read that. Stuff is happening. And the X-Men are on the run. And uh, Havoc's in the background. And so is Storm. But I'm not really going to talk to them. I got to go. Got to get Charlie. <laughs> and that's when he's being trailed by a couple of guys. And Wolverine, he knows it, and he can sense it with his enhanced senses. Uh, Are they KGB? I can't remember. I can't remember either if they're KGB, but Wolverine, like, threatens to kill them, but doesn't kill them, and then somebody else kills them. Get lost, kids, and and, uh, they run off, and then they get killed. I don't think they're... Yeah, let's see, it says... Good thing some nuns didn't stop to ask me directions. KGB boys blew their cover with the gunshots. Wonder if they knew they never had any cover to begin with. I made them hours ago. Yeah, they are KGB. Okay. I've been followed by the KGB nonstop since I hit town. KGB are paranoid dupes. Dopes. These these idiots couldn't know how hard I'm trying to keep them alive. And uh, yeah, so they die. And he gets a familiar scent. It's Charlie and two more onto the list. So... He goes somewhere, probably a closet, I guess, and meditates, does some yoga, and thinks about Charlie. Next day, he's in town walking around when he passes by Ned Leeds and Peter Parker, and he's like, "Mm, I know that kid. He smells like Spider-Man. Where are they now? Uh, Manhattan still, I think. No, they're in Germany. Are they? Yeah, they're in Germany at this point. Oh, okay. All right. Wolverine was at, you're right, he's in a dark room, and then he's in Germany in the next panel. I got a little confused by that. And that's where he bumps into Peter Parker and Ned Leeds, and he's like, wait a minute. I I recognize that kid's smell. That's Spider-Man. Never seen him in my life, but that's him. Didn't, no, there's a very early issue of the X-Men where Spider-Man was around, I thought. Uh, yeah, there's probably been more than a few opportunities for Wolverine to get the lovely scent of Spider-Man. <laughs> but yeah, there was, there was one where Peter Parker and the X-Men were on a plane, and we made jokes about how... You know, it's probably pretty obvious to the X-Men that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Right. Because he keeps conveniently disappearing every time Spider-Man shows up. And remember when he and Angel went to the Savage Land and he turned into a spider? Yep, yep. There's that one, too. That happened. Wolverine wasn't there for that, but that was just, you know, a thing that happened with the X-Men. 
Didn't they? Sh- yeah, I, the X Men show up in the second half of that, but isn't Spider Man oh. gone by then or something? Yeah, I think. Or was he? Or was he Man Spider then? I don't remember. That would be a good thing to have followed up on. <laughs> Anyways, at, at uh, Peter Parker's hotel room, uh, Spider Man or Peter Parker is calling Mary Jane just to find out if she's okay. Wolverine shows up in the window and he's like, "We have to talk." And he's shirtless for some reason, just running around Germany with his shirt off. Well, in the previous pain panels, he was meditating without a shirt and pants. So he's like, oh, my God, I got to talk to Spider-Man. And he only had time to pick either a shirt or pants. And he chose pants. He got a he buy pants, shoes and a belt. <laughs> I, I say leave the shoes behind and put on a shirt. I would agree, but not spy, not, not if you got abs like Wolverine. <laughs> And so uh, Spider-Man's like, uh, Spider-Man, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And Wolverine's like, I don't got time for this. I searched a room earlier. You're Spider-Man, and I know who you are. He pulls his web shooters out of uh, Peter Parker's luggage, and he's all like, follow me. And Peter Parker says, but I don't have a costume. And uh, Wolverine says, you don't need one. And jumps out the window, and Peter Parker does put on his web shooters, and they go... They go swinging through Germany. Wolverine's being kind of beasty uh, as he swings from building top to rafter to downspout. I I guess so. Maybe this was originally supposed to have beast in it. (laughs) Could be. And so they end up in an alleyway. Um, I guess Wolverine's got the shoes, but not the shirt. Peter Parker has the shirt, but not the shoes, so... By the way, Wolverine, as he's jumping around through the whole city, is shouting, parkour! Parkour! Every time he makes a jump, he goes, parkour! And Peter's like, what? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah. Anyways, (laughs) uh, so they they go see Ned Leeds for some reason. Well, no, Wolverine tries to convince Peter Parker to go home. Oh, so is that why and, they left the hotel room? Yeah, because hmm. so that he could have a heart to heart with him and say, "Hey, don't, don't, don't stick around. Things are going to get bad. You don't know what's going on. It's really bad. Just get out of here and get that reporter to go with you. Stay alive." And uh, Peter Parker's like, "Whatever." And then he walks back to his hotel and he decides to tell Ned that he's splitting. Uh, not so much because Wolverine rattled me, but because I shouldn't be here in the first place. I've got to see Mary Jane fix things. And then he smells smoke and he knocks on Ned's door and he opens the door and he sees Ned's tied to a chair. And next next page, Ned's dead. Ned's his dead been slit. is what the caption says. And his throat is freaking slit. He's he's dead. This like ain't no coming back from this. Is there, Adam? Nope. Is Ned Leeds dead forever? Ned Leeds is dead forever. Wow. We'll talk more about Ned Leeds later. Okay. And we will be revisiting this scene shortly. Uh, this, this, this scene will take on a completely different perspective in the pages of Amazing Spider-Man. But for now, uh, it looks like he was just killed by a bunch of KGB agents. Yep. Or I guess they're speaking German, so they're not KGB agents. Yeah. German KGB. <laughs> <laughs> GBG. And they have their guns on Peter. Peter's trying to figure out what's going on. And Wolverine crashes through the window, still shirtless. And uh, he, he, I think he kills everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Squirt. Reinforcements coming up. You get the picture now, kid? These guys ain't playing around. <laughs> this isn't a game. And so he drops him off at a bus station. And he's hanging out there. Everybody's behind him, like, speaking German. But presumably they're like, get the hell out of our way. We got things to do. And, we'll, and Spider-Man's like, no, 
with great power comes great responsibility. I got to find out what happened to Ned. Right. He feels super guilty. He says, Wolverine hadn't led me away from the hotel. Ned might not have been killed. I can't tell the good guys from the bad guys anymore. It's not my problem, but I can't help remembering Uncle Ben's words. So just another case of like, well, I know Wolverine's a good guy, but I don't know. He's acting awfully weird, so he's probably a bad guy. Well, it, it never quite gets that cut and dry. Like, I don't no. think he ever thinks Wolverine is a is a bad guy, but he doesn't know what's going on. He's, and he wants to know what's going on. He definitely wants to know what's going on. And he's kind of suspicious, at least. he He's not entirely convinced that Wolverine's a good guy. Well, he just saw Wolverine kill a whole bunch of dudes. Right. And he, he kind of almost partially blames Wolverine for Ned Leeds' death. Which makes sense. Yeah. So he heads off to a costume shop, and uh, the costume shop is closed up, but he bangs on the door, and he's like, I need a costume! I need an all-black costume. I just need a black bodysuit. It's got to be black. He's like, I don't have any, but I've got this that I was making for my son to go to a costume party tomorrow, and it's a red and blue Spider-Man costume. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And Spider-Man's embarrassed. So he gives him a bunch of money, I guess, for it. He's spinning through the... Uh, city and he's like oh this this is this is like my old uh, suit i really like it it's almost like the original except on the back on the spider it says de spinne <laughs> which is german for the spider it sure is <laughs> and somehow that guy's son just happened to be the exact same size as peter parker mm. so that worked out well he this guy only deals in unstable molecules you see <laughs> So he's uh he heads to the wall. He's going to go behind the iron curtain. He's going to cross over from West Germany or West Berlin to East Berlin. Yep. And uh now I'm in a James Bond flick. A pair of cops stroll by the wall. And they're like Dishpine! And they're very excited to see him <laughs> and they surround him and everybody's looking like they want to maybe take some autographs or something. And Spider-Man's like, "Oh man, I'm Spider-Man. I'm going to take this." And so he jumps up into the air, and that's when his spider sense gets uh, goes off because snipers are now shooting at him. Because Spider-Man or not, he's trying to cross the wall, and you're not allowed to do that. Yeah, uh, he he walks right into a landfield or a minefield, and uh, yeah, people are shooting at him, and he's jumping around. And East Berlin Border Patrol is out. And luckily, they don't know what's going on, and he's kind of able to take advantage of that and knocks them all down and runs away. A week later, this hits the news, and Jonah Jameson is like, huh, weird. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Oh, Spider-Man was there, too. Wow. What what are the odds? Well, Ned Leeds is dead. I thought it was Ned Leeds. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So Spider-Man, he's Spider-Man, and he gets away, and now he's swinging through. Is is he in East Germany or East? Yeah, Berlin? he's in he's in East Berlin now, and okay. he left a tracer, a spider tracer, on Wolverine, and he follows it into a penthouse or something, and bursts into the window. But it turns out that Wolverine just dropped it off on a chair in this room, and uh, it's a little note attached to it that says, "You're in way over your head, bub. Go home." Spider Man crumples it all up. Wolverine's walking through a steel mill just outside of East Berlin, and there's a whole bunch of dead bodies all over the place. But he he has the scent of the person that he's looking for, and it's Charlie, who's he's got his glasses on and his hat on, and he's sitting just up. Just like in the first couple of pages. Expressionless, just like he was in the first uh, set of pages. And he's like, 
It's this get-up for my benefit. You've been yin-yanging me all over this bird for too long. I oughta. And that's when he pulls off her hat and glasses, and it's the same lady from the Manhattan that Spider-Man was going to take a picture of. Yep. Spider-Man was going to take a creepy photo of her. Charlie is Charlemagne, who is a girl. Yep. Who, I guess, was lovers with Wolverine at one point. Definitely not Professor X. <laughs> or it really changes the meaning of the X-Men if it is. And I got to wonder why they did this. I mean, I <laughs> guess the surprise that like, you know, oh, it's a lady. But like, I don't know. Does that really work in a comic book? In 1987, when you're a 13-year-old boy reading the comic book, and at the first page you see a guy with a baseball hat and glasses on, and you're like, oh, he's, he's a guy and he's killing people all throughout the issue and then it turns out to be a woman in 1987 that probably blows your mind in 2018 probably not so much yeah but maybe like you know wouldn't it wouldn't be interesting if in the first few pages it's obviously a woman oh and then they get to this point and then they take off her face and it's actually a man and wolverine (laughs) kisses the man and we find out finally that wolverine's gay that would have yeah. been a surprise. That would have been a super shocker. <laughs> uh, that that this would have been a very valuable comic book if that was the revelation. I mean, I guess just as, I don't understand why there needs to be a revelation, but okay, whatever. I think it's the eighties, and people aren't used to serial killing women. But why have a revelation at all? I don't know, Adam. I think it's just this is what <laughs> Michael Owsley or whatever his name is was like. Yeah, and guess what? Right around page 40, we reveal that Charlie is a woman. What? And Jim Shooter's like, oh, gold. (laughs) Run with it, boy. You got this, man. (laughs) You are Marvel born. And Chris Claremont's sitting in the corner like, yeah, I don't know about any of this. (laughs) That's my character for the most part, you know. Don't mess up. The thing is that uh, James Owsley does write a really good Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. Of of the Wolverines that have not been Chris Claremont written so far, which there haven't been many, um, this is pretty good. And and we will see probably as we go on more very poorly written Wolverines. We've seen. We've already seen plenty. Jim Shooter. Read, uh, wrote a pretty mm-hmm. terrible one. We even saw Chris Claremont write a terrible one in the Fantastic Four versus series. That's true. <laughs> Good point. So James Owsley might even be better than Chris Claremont. <laughs> but he only writes him this once. Well, actually, he writes him again in Web of Spider-Man, and for some reason in that issue, it's it's just not as good. No. So I, I wonder. I wonder if Chris Claremont helped out with this at all. Like, hey, don't do that with my character. Maybe. Maybe he, he helped with the dialogue. Maybe he was a dialogue coach. Maybe. He's like, if you're going to charge two and a half dollars for this, you can't have Wolverine be all wrecked. <laughs> so they head to Charlie's house, which is a huge mansion. and it's a, it's a very big house. Charlie's got servants and maids and, I don't know, all sorts of people doing all sorts of chores around this giant mansion. But Wolverine's got no time of that because he wants to go up to his version of the butt. That's right. Yeah. So they go upstairs and do it. And then uh, a couple of days or weeks later, they're all spent. And uh, they go out to a, a fancy restaurant, and Wolverine really didn't want to go. But uh, they're surrounded by bad guys in this restaurant. Wolverine realized at the last second, almost as he's about to bite into a, a uh, apple, that it's poisoned. Yep. Every, I mean, both Charlie and Wolverine know that they're surrounded, that the 
food is poisoned and that people are there to kill them. Charlie knows first. It takes Wolverine a couple seconds to figure it out. We even see the guy poisoning the apples. Then we hear a clatter from the kitchen as a bunch of people are thrown out. Wolverine face palms, and that's when we see Spider-Man. For crying out loud, what's fella got to do to see a menu in this place? Hiya, Wolverine. Did you know the fruit was poisoned? Yes. Did you know you're trapped in here? Yes. Did you know everyone in this joint's packing some mean hardware? Yes. Hmm. Just how bad have I screwed up? Real bad. da 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 what should I do now? Duck. And Everybody starts lighting up the joint with guns and Spider-Man notices that Charlie and Wolverine are having a good old time and they start busting up the joint. Yeah, people are dying. Pretty much everybody in the restaurant dies. Charlie doesn't die. Well, she's not in the restaurant by the time they're done. Nah. So Spider-Man and Wolverine, well, Spider-Man's fighting, Wolverine's killing, and Charlie escapes. Spider-Man and Wolverine crash out of another window. Just, uh, I really like this Wolverine pose. Where he's like flying out of the windows, legs first. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. Not bad. It's cool. Yeah. It's good stuff. I'd like to see this movie. Like, no costume, no real bad guys, just Wolverine as a, I don't know, badass spy behind enemy lines. They should have made this into a Wolverine solo film. Yeah. The Charlie story. Possibly could have been better than the first two Wolverine movies. <laughs> Wolverine Origins, Charlemagne. <laughs> and Spider-Man, for some reason. <laughs> so they hang out on a roof, and uh, Wolverine kind of gives Spider-Man the Cliff's notes of what's going on. Which is that uh, Charlie's a hired assassin, and she did a lot of work, and now the KGB want to kill her. And uh, she wants to kill all of the KGB agents that want to kill her. And uh, way back when, a core group of KGB agents hired her for a gig and then tried to terminate her when her job was done. She took it personally. So she's getting revenge, old school style. Yep. I guess there's not really a new school style of getting revenge. Nope. <laughs> so what's the plan? You know the plan. We go in and bust some heads. So that's what and they that's do. That's what they do. They, they bust in. They bust some heads. Uh, they kick down a door because now they're looking for Charlie, right? Yeah, yeah, they're they're f trekking uh, Charlie down through the last people on the list, and everybody's there's a whole bunch of people that are already dead, and there's a whole bunch of people that Wolverine is uh, killing, and Spider-Man doesn't want to kill anybody. Wolverine's like, "Put it in gear, kid. I can't wet nurse you here. Get real or die." But Spider-Man's super super scared, and mm -hmm. he's he's panicking, and he's got to pull his punches. Yeah. Shine that spotlight I saw in your bat belt earlier, says Wolverine, referencing Batman. Yep. If Charlie's here, she's probably down there. But she's not down there because there's more dead people down there. Yeah. Eventually, they get fed up with each other and they part ways. Come on, Squirt. We got work to do. Wolverine, I, I don't want any more of this. <laughs> and uh, Wolverine goes wherever he goes and um, meditates. Uh, Peter Parker tosses and turns. He can't sleep. He's thinking about all the killing and how it's his fault and Ned and all these things he couldn't possibly understand. Well, Wolverine points out that uh, if you'd kept your nose out of this and gone home when I told you to, I could have kept Charlie in check. I could have hidden her away, kept the lid on, and now she's killed all these people, and it's your fault. And that's why. And that's when they split up. And now Spider-Man, being a very guilty guy in general, just takes all that guilt. All that killing, Ned, my fault. 
Wolverine gets a phone call from Charlie and a meeting spot, so he goes and meets her at the graveyard. And Hiya, Charlie. She's decked out in like a kimono, I think? Uh, I think she's just wearing a robe. Just but... a robe. Okay, fair enough. And they embrace, and uh, she whispers into his ear. Um, she wants me to do it. She tells me if I ever loved her, I'd spare her the tor- the KGB torture camps. Yeah, so if I she, loved her, I'd pull the plug now. She's so paranoid that she doesn't believe now that she can kill all of the KGB operatives. So in her mind, she's going to get caught and she's going to get tortured and she can't handle she killed that. Every, she killed everybody on the list. So she knows that the KGB is going to come down hard on her. Like Putin, you know, it's dangerous. Sure. So Wolverine puts his fist up against her belly, pops her claws. She goes down, but Wolverine says, I flinched. She's still alive. I want to say goodbye. Say anything. He said, I just pop my claws one last time and it'll be over. So he's about to finish it when Spider-Man shows up and he's like, you're killing your own girlfriend? Not on my watch. You're absolutely nuts. What kind of maniac are you? Back off, kid. This is too deep for you. You'll never know. The life I live. I'm doing this for Charlie. No chance, man. There they fight. And that's, that's when No Chance Man shows up. <laughs> hey, guys, what's going on? I heard you call me. Hey, yeah, they fight for a little while. And, um, you know, Wolverine's going full full force and Spider-Man's kind of pulling his punches. And But he does he does hit him. He does he does hit him pretty hard. He says uh, there's a line where he says he hits him like. And that would that would destroy a truck or something like that. He he realizes that Wolverine is strong enough to take these hits, so he stops pulling his punches and he starts punching Wolverine like with all of his spider strength, noting that it's still not really doing all that much good. I'm hitting him hard enough to wreck cars. An ordinary man would be wonder jello by now, but I can't get him to stop smiling. So he's like beating the crap out of him. Kind of, but Wolverine turns the turns the tide, flips him over. Uh, puts his puts his fist on his uh, chin like he's gonna pop his claws, and that's when a helicopter shows up, and uh, nobody knows if this is the good guys or the bad guys. Uh, Spider Man or Wolverine gets up. They're at a they're at a handhold uh, 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 standoff though. As Spider Man wraps his arms around Wolverine's neck, and Wolverine says, "We both know the only way for you to beat me is to use all your strength and snap my neck. Bank or a bang, you win." Thing is. I'm betting my life you ain't got the guts for that. You don't know how to kill, but I do. All I got to do is pop my claws up through your throat. And that's when the helicopter shows up. So they both get up, trying to figure out what's going on, when a hand taps Spider-Man on the back. And Spider-Man's spider sense goes off, and he's like, Wolverine, come on. And so he turns around, and he smacks Wolverine in the face as hard as he possibly can. I find a last burst of energy. I give it to Wolverine. Oh, no, 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 this is a nightmare. It isn't Wolverine. It's, and Wolverine says, Charlie. She doesn't make a sound. She falls to the ground. And Wolverine goes to her and cradles her. And Charlie says, we did it. We won. I got them all. They never got to me because she knows she's going to die. Well, she just got hit by Spider-Man. Yeah, with all of the strength. With the, the kind of strength that would wreck a car. I'm surprised she has she can talk at all. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more hamburger face, but on <laughs> on the fourth panel on page fifty nine, I mean, she definitely looks like she's got an indentation on her forehead. So there's like there's probably cracked face bone, maybe. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, she dies yeah. a moment later. Wolverine's like, didn't have to be this way. We could have made it. We could have walked away. And Chris Claremont's like, no, Mariko, come on. Stop <laughs> messing with my story. Charlie committed suicide. She knew what she was doing. She knew how cocked Spider-Man was. She knew she shouldn't have gotten anywhere near him. She was a pro. And Spidey, Spidey's going to be working this out for the rest of his life. I would say so. I, yeah, if I punched a woman in the face and killed her, I'd probably be pretty upset about it. Even if I realized that she used me for my spider strength. And that's when the KGB shows up surrounding them with guns drawn. And uh, actually, I think it's Germans and KGBs. A whole bunch of people there to kill Charlie. And they realize, well, Wolverine says she's dead. And then the lights go out. And when the lights come back on, they're all gone. Everybody's gone because the mission hasn't been accomplished. And so Wolverine and uh, Spider-Man, they had towards the border uh, wolverine's gotten spider-man a fake passport so that he can get back into west germany so yeah they're they're heading back to the states heading back to the airport they don't really talk much peters keeps having this same flashback of him punching her in the face and killing her it's to a good effect yeah 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 uh, he did he, he ends up back in his apartment and he finds his costume and his phone rings. It's J. Jonah Jameson, but he doesn't feel like talking to him. J. Jonah says, so where's Ned? And he hangs up on him. I can't stand it. I should tell him before the authorities do. I can't. It just doesn't stop. And that's when Mary Jane shows up. and He's like, oh, I'm not ready for this. And she says, hey, are we still friends? And they hug. And that's when it ends. I, I hold her tight. I close my eyes. We make the pain go away. I don't think it's probably that easy, but okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know how long this uh, guilt continues for Peter, but we do learn in the next issue of whatever Spider-Man it is. It's like uh, the, actually in the in the epic collection, the next issue is the Hobgoblin revealed issue that you were talking about at the beginning of it. Really? Because Ned Leeds was the Hobgoblin. <gasps> what? What? I know, right? So like um, the the assassins that were in the hotel room were actually hired by um i forget the oh remember the foreigner that the black cat works for yes we, we encountered him once in that saber tooth issue i do remember him saber tooth was trying to get a job working for the foreigner well apparently somebody hired the foreigner to kill ned uh, the hobgoblin and killed ned leeds in berlin and uh and then the jack-o-lantern turns out to be the one who hired the foreigner and now the jack-o'-lantern becomes the hobgoblin, which brings us to Ned Leeds' funeral in Web of Spider-Man number 29, which we can skip through most of this issue. Basically, Peter feels really guilty for a while. We learn all that stuff that I just talked about. The, the new hobgoblin slash jack-o'-lantern threatens people, including the purple man or what is this guy's name? I don't know. I don't know. It's the kingpin's son. The the Rose, I think. Yes, the Rose, I think is his name. And Peter Parker gets uh, is sitting on the dock of the bay, and Wolverine shows up and says, Quit moving, kid. Doesn't help any. And Peter Parker says, Wolverine, here? I've been looking for you, Junior. Uh, some things we've got to settle. I know I ain't your, exactly your favorite person. And then they get attacked by some thugs. Wolverine, of course, wants to fight them, and Peter Parker puts his hands in his, or his head in his hands and is like, I can't deal with this now. All right, claws, says a guy who notices Wolverine has claws. Time to party. 
No guns, dog face, you understand? Wolverine says to one of the punks who draws a gun. They got like red dots on there. They're like the red dot gang. Yeah. So is this like a Japanese gang or something? I don't know what's going on here. Hobgoblin shows up at some point and starts shooting pumpkins or whatever. He shoots at people. Well, that it's it's cutting in between Hobgoblin fighting some dude and Wolverine and Peter Parker fighting these thugs. Ah. So anytime you see Hobgoblin, he's fighting some dude. I don't recall what the dude's name is, but he works for the Rose. Wolverine convinces Peter Parker to go after the thugs with him so that they can fight them and... Uh, ultimately, Wolverine, the, the whole point of Wolverine being here is to tell Peter Parker, let's see, where is it? Oh, it's on the very last page. Look, you're not responsible for Charlie's death or that Leeds guy. You can't take responsibility for other people's lives like that. You can't carry that crud around with you for the rest of your life. Let go of what you're feeling, Pete. You got too much going for you, too much to live for. Think about it. Wolverine out. Yeah, uh, not as good an issue as the Wolverine versus Spider-Man. No, I mean, this this one really focuses on Peter Parker, so. Yeah. Not even really a necessary bookend to the story either. Well, you know, it's, it's, no, definitely not, but at least, you know, at least somebody slaps Peter Parker in the face and says, stop being guilty about something you have no control over, you dork. So it's good that that happened. And, you know, it's in character for Wolverine to want to do something like that. Yeah. I agree. He's like, I uh, better go take care of this Parker situation. Got to get back to the X-Men. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Good stuff. So, yeah, like I said, that, that story, as far as I know, has absolutely no uh, influence over any future Wolverine stories. But I haven't read everything, so maybe I'm wrong. I don't think it has any bearing on anything um, that being said, <laughs> it doesn't detract from Wolverine at all. It doesn't, uh, it's not like a single dimensional, uh, story that someone's like, I want to write a really cool Wolverine story where he kills people. And admittedly, he does kill quite a few people more, a lot more so than when he's an X-Man, but he's not written, he's not written really poorly. So, yeah, I mean, and, and he, you know, the only reason he doesn't really kill people is because he's hanging out with the X-Men. So I suppose you could say you could you could frame it that he's not with the X-Men right now and he's with Charlie. So he's doing what he needs to do. I agree. I mean, you know, he's a killer. Him and Rogue. He's the best at what he does. <laughs> and what he does is killing people. Rogue and Wolverine are the killers on the team. <laughs> That's well established. Everybody knows that. <laughs> not Betsy. <laughs> So that's it. Uh, if you would like to get a hold of us, you can do so at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Danger Room Go. You can email us, dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com. You can get all of our podcasts on iTunes by going into the podcast section, typing in Danger Room, we're the first one that shows up. And you can also leave us a voice message at 501-GET-X-MEN. That's 501-438-9636. And as always, our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. So we got an iTunes review. It was a five-star review uh, by Honduko. 051987, May 1987, maybe. Uh, and he says, at least a uh, great Canadian wit. At least I hope the co hosts are Canucks. Severe problem if they aren't. Don't even like the X-Men, but was looking for an issue-by-issue -issue recap of something in the Marvel world. Still hate the X-Men, but enjoy this show. 
Ah, yes. And I remember that post, uh, that, that uh, iTunes review, because I was like, oh, he thinks we're can- uh, Canadians. That's, that's awesome, because, you know, hey, I'm a huge fan of Canada. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and really, you know, we're not from Canada, but um, we're, we're pretty close to Canada. Like, I'm in Wisconsin. You're in, like, New York. I grew up with the kids in the hall. Yeah, yeah. I, I also watched the kids in the hall. And that's, it, that's my favorite sketch comedy. I'm sure I picked up a lot of my sense of humor from that. Yeah. So, so uh, like, I feel like we're kind of like honorary. No, we're not honorary Canadians. <laughs> but what he said, it was a big problem with we're not. I mean, when he finds out, is he going to be like banging his head on the wall? No, they're not Canadian. I've wasted my time listening to this podcast <laughs> thinking they were Canadian. Um, and then, yeah, I do recall that there was a follow up. We also got the follow up either voicemail or text, and it says, well, I'm on episode approximately 130, and I just realized you two aren't Canadian. I don't pay 100% attention. You guys are great white noise where I can (laughs) randomly pay attention, keep up the good work. Well, that's an interesting compliment. I'll take it. Great white noise. I mean, I I, I think that there's a few hundred Smodcast episodes I've listened to that I couldn't tell you anything about. It was just background. Yeah, it's background. Chatter as I was doing other things. I'm totally happy to be somebody's background chatter. Yeah, I guess it just means it, it means we're not obnoxious. Canadian or not. Yeah, but you should really like the X-Men. I mean, you don't have to like the X-Men, but the X-Men, are they're, they're pretty good. I don't know why you would hate the X-Men. I got to ask you, uh, if you ever make it to the episode in which we are recording this right now, you should you should get back in touch with us um, and tell us why you hate the X-Men. Hate's a pretty strong emotion. That's true. You know, some people say that the opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. I say that. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah. You've, you've never said that to me. Um, okay. <laughs> so there has to be a reason why you hate uh, the X-Men. Like, I'm more or less indifferent to Justice League of America. I don't hate them. I just don't care. Yep. Andrew Franklin, he he let us know that he is a brand new listener to the show. He started with issue number 200, uh, which is the favorite of his era. Uh, which ends with X-Men number one. Uh, as a kid, he lived off of his older brother's comics, and it was the perfect age range for X-Force, X-Men Blue and Gold, which he was reading all the X-Men uh, Claremont stuff in the 80s. Uh, the real greatness, greatness for the X-Men, which definitely made him a snob about the X-Men. Well, nothing wrong with that. Uh, since your love of G.I. Joe is clear, I just wanted to say that X-Factor 13 to 14, Scott going crazy in Alaska, and G.I. Joe two-parter with Shipwreck and the Melting People really messed me up as a kid. They gave me nightmares for a long time. My little kid psyche did not take well the stories of people being gaslit and external forces conspiring to make people think they were crazy. Did that contribute to my anxiety disorder, or was it an early symptom? Who's to say? Regardless, those two stories have stuck with me, and that early run of X-Factor has been a benchmark for great super hero melodrama uh, drama soap opera uh, great show i couldn't agree more i've already expressed how much i like that two-parter uh, alaska master mold scott going crazy um series but have we ever talked about the melting shipwreck show oh yes we definitely oh have. my god that <laughs> like like i don't like they made that show to sell toys but somehow a writer snuck into the writer's room is like i got an idea for a story you guys Bear with me for a second. 
G.I. <laughs> Joe is disbanded, Cobra is dead, and it's because Shipwreck saved everybody. Only it's Cobra who captured Shipwreck and has convinced him of all this stuff so that they can get information from Shipwreck. And every now and then, he's going to see people melt. And we're going to put this on for children. <laughs> I remember that episode, and the other one that I remember is the one where uh, G.I. Joe keeps getting calls about the Viper. The Viper's going to show up at this place. And they so they bring out the whole team, and the uh, Cobra's there every time. And then it turns out that the whole time it was the Vindo Viper. The what? The Vindo Viper. Was that in the first series, or was that in, like, the... Oh, I, I have no idea when it happened. Oh, I don't remember but that yeah, episode. It, it's some guy with a thick accent saying, this is the Viper. I will be... <laughs> and then they meet him finally at the end, and it turns out it's a coincidence that he was... All of these places where he was wiping windows uh, was places where Cobra was also going. And G.I. Joe keeps cutting them off at the pass, and Cobra can't figure out why. And it's because of this Vindo Viper. That's funny. I don't remember that. That seems like something I would remember. Oh, that was, I, I can't say it was a good one, but it was a memorable one. <laughs> uh, he follows it up by saying, hey, guys, listening to the episode covering UXM 218, there's some foggy mementos of the last time Havoc and Polaris showed up. Besides Scott and Maddie's wedding, Havoc and Polaris showed up uh, to help the whole team when they were captured in Mirror World and before they were brainwashed by Eric the Red. Well, that's going way back. And fought the team during the story that introduced the Shi'ar during the Phoenix Saga. This is where Lorna Dane first used the code name Polaris. They've definitely been referenced to the book uh, and in the year 1987, but probably hadn't been for about four years ago. Working hard on that geology master's degree, I guess. And the funny thing is, like, we covered all that and we couldn't remember it. But it's great <laughs> that we have folks that listen to our podcast that can remind us of the things we've already talked about. All right. Well, you want to save the rest for next time? Yes, folks. We've got more. Keep them coming. We've gotten a little behind in our mailbag. But uh, you keep sending them and we'll keep reading them. True that, y'all. So until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed. <laughs>